Welcome to the world's premier Black Crows podcast. State of America. Hosted by two of the band's most dedicated fans, David Hudson and Ian Rice. And now, let's get the show on the road. All right, everybody, welcome back to the State of America podcast. As always, I'm one of your hosts, David, and I've got my good buddy, Ian, on the other line. Hi, David. It's me. Long time no see. I know, man. Well, it's been kind of a quiet week in the Black Crows world, hasn't it? I know. I'm really struggling for something to talk about here. You know, Nothing to, nothing to talk about. We're having to try hard to find something. Obviously, um, Shake Your Money Maker Tour and a lot of debate on how these shows were going to go, how they were going to be attended, and by all accounts, it was good. I guess we know five or six people now that have seen shows and everybody has had something good to, uh, good to say about them. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, I think maybe it's working to sway some of those folks that might've been on the fence. I have definitely heard from people saying they're getting tickets now based on the reviews of the first few shows. Yes. We do have somebody uh, special joining us today that uh, was originally going to discuss that first opening night with us, uh, as it was happening. Brett Hogan returns for the second time. How are you, Brett? Doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Looking forward to talking about it. So, Brett, let's ask you beforehand, what were your expectations going in on a scale of one to ten? I would say like a six or seven. I knew Chris and Rich, I knew their chemistry would, I knew it'd be there. Wasn't sure about the rest of the band. Um, I was pleasantly surprised the whole evening. After you attended the show on a scale of one to ten, where would you rank it? I'd give it an eight. That's pretty good, man. It was a first night few things I thought could have been different, but uh, the, the musicians played really well. I thought they were a little tight at first, but uh, they got comfortable as the show went on. And overall, I was I was very pleased. And I went with four or five people, and they're, they're not as big as Crows fans as I am, but they were all blown away. See, uh, to me, that seems like the uh, the drawback of going to a, a tour opener. Uh, you know, on the one hand, you get the overwhelming excitement of the night because it's the first night everybody's raring to go. But also, especially in the case of uh, new members and things like that, it seems like they might need a little time to work themselves out. I mean, did you feel like uh, you were shortchanged at all because of that? Or No, the band was well rehearsed. I thought they, they really had a plan on what they were trying to go out and do, and I, I felt like they accomplished it. Well, we talked to uh, Rex Cunningham, where I did, uh, right after the show. I was not there. It was such a last-minute thing. I couldn't make the recording. So you got to go solo on that one. I mean, based on the downloads, I'm a hit. I know. I told you, you don't need me no more. Is our uh, second-best opening day only to Mr. Steve Gorman? All right. I know we already went over this. You don't have to rub it in. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Ian Rice, ratings killer. I know. Uh, ratings po- box office poison in the movies, right? That's all right. You're going to do one here soon that I can't be a part of. So uh, we'll I know. See. That was my, my personal payback to you. We'll, comp- we'll compare the download numbers. <laughs> he said it was a packed house. It was. You hear about half-empty arenas and things like that. That was not the case in Nashville. and hasn't been the case so far on the tour. There were a lot of casual fans there. The crowd was older than I expected, uh, but people were really excited. And Chris did a really good job of uh, getting the crowd involved. Uh, he was very gracious towards the crowd, which that's not always the case. It looked like Chris had really thought this through and it it really showed on stage. Yeah, I got the impression that they were trying to really uh, up their game and really be present and and, uh, interactive and really, really give people their money's worth. That's that's the impression I got from seeing video clips and things and hearing what people said. Most definitely. All right, Brett. So let me ask you, we've all seen the videos. 
the lights go down. There's a stage prop that looks like an old time um, radio and there's a bar at the back and all of the band sands, Chris and Rich look like they go back there and maybe do a shot or something. What were you thinking when that started happening? Well, the lights were dimmed. I didn't, I couldn't tell if those were the musicians or not. It looked like it was like a road crew or something doing that. And then the lights went down a little more Then the song shake your moneymaker played over uh, the speakers. And then all of a sudden rich, broke into the guitar riff so it was a little dark so i really couldn't tell who was sitting there but it definitely looked like that's what they were trying to do i just i I saw in later youtube videos where it was actually the band sitting there so based on the videos that i've seen it looks like rich came in really really loud he did and i knew what was about to come because i knew that's how they used to open their shows back in the day i knew what was coming uh, most people that were with me did not. So they were all kind of just sitting there kind of talking, talking amongst themselves. And here comes the guitar, which is pretty cool. <laughs> now, obviously, first set, you know, is the Shaky Moneymaker record. And that's pretty airtight from what I saw. What did you think of the all the hits section? Did you feel you got a good uh, sampling of you know stuff from other albums? I did. Uh, we had several songs from Southern Harmony. We had, I think, two or three from Amorica. And then we had Good Friday from Three Snakes. We had soul singing from Lions. Um, I thought I thought it was well thought out. I thought it was um, the way they arranged the songs. Um, I like that, and uh, they did a really good job of playing them. So it was all in all, I was very pleased. Now, Ian, I will point something out. With the exception of High Head Blues, I nailed the hits portion. I know, and I had actually said that to somebody either uh, on one of the uh, Facebook posts or in the private chat that you, you know you had been. I said we had been pretty spot on, but mostly it was you. You doubted Hotel Illness. I did. I was wrong. I told you it and Sting Me would both be in there. All right. Jeez, you're very, uh, you know, this today's a gloating day for you, I think. It is. I got <laughs> I got to get my shots when I can. All right. So um, obviously one of the questions people are going to ask, because there's a new drummer, a new guitar player, and a new keyboard player, people are going to ask how they were. And I will, I will throw in my two cents real quick on Joel Robineau on the keys. He seems to really get it. And like on songs like uh, Strut and Blues, he's really showing out and it sounds good. I had uh, some hardcore fans went to the New Hampshire show and were really impressed by him. So what are your thoughts on uh, Brian Griffin, Isaiah and uh, Joel? I thought Brian did a good job. Uh, Like I said, these guys are just getting comfortable. Uh, They're all great musicians. I think Isaiah Mitchell, I think him getting his feet under him, I'd give him another week or so and he's going to he's going to really knock it out of the park. But. Joel Robineau on keys. He looked like he had been doing that for 15 years. Yeah. I mean, it's a hard, hard spot to fill the Steve Gorman spot. And I don't think it ever can be. I mean, Steve is the quintessential drummer for that band. There's no denying that. But um, I, I really think that Brian Griffin made a good show of it. I honestly believe that. If, if the Black Crows know how to do anything, they know how to pick musicians, in my opinion. Uh, they always seem to put people in the right spots. There's been a, a player or two here or there that people didn't care for. But overall, they've make good choices when they've replaced band members. And I thought they did a great job here. That's a bad spot to be in being that second lead guitar player and the drummer in the Crows. My hat's off to anybody that that's willing to try it because uh, most people get, you know, I think a lot of times unfairly crucified over it, but based on what I saw, Brian more than held his own. And you also got to think like, like you said, that's first night. You got to think two or three weeks, these guys are going to get in a groove and, and get more used to it because I'm sure you can rehearse and practice all you want to, but until you're in front of 10,000 people and there's no room for mistakes, 
you know, that's a totally different thing. But I'm, I was really surprised at how great they sounded for the first night. And uh, I'm really looking forward to, to more shows. And I, I'm really looking forward to the show I'm going to. Definitely. I, I thought just from the body language, they were very into putting on a good show. The Crows aren't always like that. Sometimes they'll pack a room, turn up the volume, they'll play their songs, and then they, they jet, right? I've enjoyed those type shows. But this one, it looked like there was a collective effort to impress the fans. They wanted people to have a good time. Like I said, I've, I've never seen Chris as gracious towards the crowd as he was Tuesday night in Nashville. Uh, the body language between Chris and Rich, I had never seen them feed off of each other like they did. Sometimes they're up there and they're kind of ignoring each other. That was not the case. They were a team on Tuesday night. Well, one thing that's also worth mentioning, Brett, uh, we do appreciate you uh, representing the podcast and wearing your shirt to the show that night. Thanks a lot, man. <laughs> I'll do it again. I'm going to the Atlanta show and I think I'm going to both times. So, Yeah, you and uh, your wife, Kelly, and her friend were sporting them. We appreciate that. They did it proudly, man. We we really enjoyed it, and uh, we appreciate you guys sending those shirts. And I got asked by four or five people about the shirt, so I had them. I actually pulled up Apple Podcast and let them see the podcast, and they a few people were really interested. So spreading the word, Brett, spreading the word. <laughs> That's right. One of the things that you're talking about, Chris, you know how he was the other night. I always tell people when he turns it on, it's him and in 1972 Mick Jagger, and those are the two best front men of all time. Also liked his his vocal takes. I don't think he has sounded that good since that first month or so of the 05 tour. I think the CRB spared his voice a lot, and I think I would think probably since they announced this thing, you know, almost two years ago, that he's been really taking care of his voice. And I like how he was restrained at times because he can't blow his voice out on this tour. They have too much at stake on it. But that's one of the things that everybody I've talked to has said, they don't think they've ever, ever heard him sound better. He was, I, I've never seen him as dialed in as he was Tuesday night. And I think he was that way on the Brothers of a Feather shows in 2020. I think he's really into being a lead singer again. I think, I think, he, I think he's realized after 30 years that, he can do other projects, but at the end of the day, he's a front man and that's where he's going to make his money. And, you know, and it, you know, that's where he's going to succeed the most. And I, I really thought it showed in that. So you mentioned that you're going to be hitting a couple other shows there. Do you have any, uh, do you have a wish list of uh, tunes you might like to hear in that second half at the other shows? I would like to hear them expand their covers a little bit. Um, and I'd also like to hear more off of Morica. I, I think Sunflower and Gone would translate well to that crowd. I think though it is a more liberal interpretation of the term hits which is good it's more like fan hits which i kind of like like good friday was never a big radio hit or anything like that but the fans right. look forward to it and that's what i was hoping yeah i the, the covers yeah. i'd like to see them add a few I, I ian and i talked about this before i think jumping jack flash would fit in with this yeah. i think them doing hush again uh, even can't you hear me knocking i think all of that would fit in but yeah i was you know they, they've only rotated a couple of songs out but i think they're still getting their feet wet I was hoping they would play a two-song encore. I was hoping to hear like Goodbye Daughters as the first song and then maybe Remedy or maybe a cover. Goodbye Daughters is a great way to start an encore, in my opinion. I was hoping they would do that. It didn't happen. Well, at your show, the encore was Remedy. The last two shows, it's the last song of the set, and they go to It's Only Rock and Roll. I kind of like Remedy as the, the encore. It's high energy and... Plus soul singing kind of puts you, sends you out on a happy note. And then you come back with remedy, which is, you know, just great. Let me ask you this. 
how did Joel sound on the remedy breakdown and on the thorn in my pride breakdown? Thorn in my pride, he was spot on. And I'll be honest, I was so pumped when they were playing remedy. I was jumping up and down, having such a good, I, I didn't even really catch what he was doing. I, I was, I was watching Chris and Rich the whole time. I thought, what a way to end the first show. People were, people were wanting more, man. They were, they were pumped. People were, I mean, people missed this band and, and I was looking around. I, I did a lot of observing that night too. And, and they make people happy, man. They put smiles on people's faces. Now, David, you, you're asking about the, uh, the keyboard work on those tunes, but I think we left out perhaps one of the, the most key ones and that's wiser time. How did, uh, how did Joel do on the, uh, on his solo section on that? People had some complaints with some other players in the recent past. Yes, I would say, I would say they've made a very good choice in a keyboard player. He did. He did a great job on, Thorn in my pride and on wiser time. The song that I've had so many people come back to and say they thought could have possibly been the highlight of the night was seeing things. Yes. And that Chris is all into it. He's all into it. That and she talks to angels. You hear about some of the former members of the band saying he could he could do a soul soul album when he was singing. She talks to angels. I mean, just in, in the parts where there's no music and he's singing. I mean, it was phenomenal. I've, I've watched the video like eight or nine times that I've recorded. Seeing things as well. It's, it's, it's a soulful song and uh, his his strengths. I mean, he really plays to his strengths in that song. And they really, the way they arranged it, it's the original arrangement, but there, there's parts where it slows down and it showcases more his voice. The crowd really got into those two songs. Well, I feel like seeing things, and this is all conjecture, obviously, but might have a deeper meaning for Chris these days because it's almost like a, a looking back kind of song and realizing things. And that seems to be like the theme of the, of them getting back together. You know, they've realized mistakes of the past and they're, you know, moving forward from that. It, it, maybe it resonates differently with him. Well, again, I go back to body language and I will tell you his body language, it, it speaks to that. I, I think, I, I think he's really come full circle and come to appreciate what he and Rich have, have created. It, it definitely shows in his body language. Well, we have had a couple of people that have kind of been around them a little bit say they think the reunion is 100% genuine, which I hope it is because, I mean, you two brothers that have that much, you know, history. Plus, you know, like their dad has died, their, their mother is still alive. Like, it's just good for the whole family dynamic. It is. And, I, and I, think, I think that Chris's daughter coming up to him one day out of the blue and asking why he and Rich don't get along probably hit home to him. Um. Like I said, um, their their chemistry was spot on. Their body language, their facial expressions, the way they looked at each other, it seems as genuine as I've ever seen. I saw Rich smile more in two hours on Tuesday night than I've seen in my whole life. Well, that's good. Yeah, somebody posted a photo of him laughing at one point on stage, which I thought was unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. And I do want to say for those that didn't get, didn't get a chance to listen to it or whatever, you can if you have SiriusXM, you can go on the app and on Classic Rewind, they played the whole show and you can just download it and listen to it. Um, it's really good. Um, I enjoyed it and I was I was really surprised at, at how much I enjoyed opening night. I just didn't know what to expect. I was going to keep an open mind. But, you know, people like you and some other people that we know that we've talked to that are diehard fans, when they talk about how good it was and, and every one of them has said that, you have to take that to heart. Definitely. I thought... Uh, they mixed some of the old school shake your money maker era stuff in, the, you know, like they're, they're kind of dressing that way now. I think they, they mix in some of the old early 90s crows with a little bit of more of a modern touch. So it doesn't look like a complete nostalgia act. The one controversial thing that keeps coming up is the umbrella. What would you think about the umbrella? 
the umbrella, I, it took me about half of twice as hard to, to get the umbrella off my mind. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still digesting the umbrella. It's not going to ruin the show for me. I, I, I don't know why they did it, but I, they have a vision in mind. And, and if, if, if that's Chris's vision, I, I'll take it. But I was a little surprised. Yeah, I, yeah, I was. I was surprised. Well, Brett, uh, we appreciate you coming on and doing this. And uh, we're going to try to do these as mi- many of these as we can here for a while because uh, people seem to enjoy them. But Ian, we need to be honest with people and let them know the rest of this segment we recorded a couple of months ago and it's been sitting around percolating and we thought this would be a good time to put it out. And so it's Ian and I discussing covers that we'd like to see him play. Yes. And it kind of, uh, the episode kind of holds a little bit more meaning now because now's the time where they're going to be performing and some covers might be in there. So uh, maybe some of our uh, wishes will come true. Anyway, as always, thanks to Brett. And here is our discussion of covers we'd like for them to do. David, so this week we decided that we are going to tackle the topic of our top five songs that we wish the Crows would cover, not ones that they've already have covered, because uh, I'm sure, uh, much like ourselves, uh, every uh, serious fan of the band out there has often heard a song and gone, you know, really, the Crows should really tackle that one. So, uh, I don't know, kind of excited about this and nervous at the same time. I find I find myself doing that all the time with, with songs with the Crows. Like, oh, this is probably a good one for them to cover. Yeah. I don't know. You you took a peek at my list like you were prone to do beforehand. I always like to be surprised by yours. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm I, guessing in this situation we have not uh, crossed over sometimes like no, we sometimes do. No. And in, in, in the case of yours, I had to go look several of these up. Oh, you're kidding. Really? No, I'm dead serious. Probably yeah. more of the – because I also came up with, uh, I think, three uh, you know, solo – covers that i wish they would do not not the crows necessarily but uh, individual members so i'm guessing those are the ones you might have had to no to check it's, it. it's some of your main ones but I, I i i have four for the side projects as well oh based, nice based right. on your uh based on seeing your list i'm like oh this is easy you want to you want to run through mine real quick yeah let's start with you and then we'll we'll go from there all right the first one i've always thought they should do this for, for a long time Salt of the Earth by the Rolling Stones. Let Rich sing the Keith part. Chris sing the Mick part.
You have the slide. I mean, it would be great with either Ford or Luther, if you ask me. Song, honestly, that the Stones largely have forgotten. I, I know they played it with Axl Rose on that Steel Wheels Live show, and they played it at the uh, concert for New York on VH1. And and I think they played it. What was the movie they made in the 60s? The Rock and Roll Rock, Circus, I which think is they, a freed version. But as far as I know, that's basically the only times they've ever played it. Yeah, it's kind of a forgotten gem. Like uh, a lot of songs actually from that 68 to like 74 era kind of get swept away. Yeah, I just, I, I think that would be, I think this is like shooting fish in the barrel on that one. Because you, you like I said, Rich could do the Keith part and Mick could do the, I mean, uh, Chris could do the Mick part. All right, my second one uh, is Tangerine by Led Zeppelin. It's so funny that you brought that one because that one was on my list, but then uh, then we decided to do five, so that uh, that got trimmed out. But I did have that one on there. That and also, uh, that's the way from the same record, the Led Zeppelin three. Both of those tunes I thought actually would suit them nicely. Yeah, you know, and, and it's funny they're so good at picking covers. There's so many. Like when I was going through this on most of these, it's at least something that they've covered. You know, uh, that band before. Yeah. Um, Zeppelin and the Stones are just so much in the wheelhouse, and I know they did all the Zeppelin songs on Live at the Greek, but there's so many other ones. Like you said, I, I wish they could. I would have loved to have heard them do "Fool in the Rain" with Ed Harsh playing. Yeah, that would have been awesome. I mean, I think Jimmy Page was, was picking the set list primarily on that, so I guess he had certain things in mind. And uh, but there were definitely a lot of ones that I would have liked to have seen them do. All right, my next one is going to be "All Right Now" by Free. <laughs> Love, love above. Now he's gonna trick me in 
that uh, Rich is a huge fan of Free and Bad Company. Uh, obviously, he played with Bad Company, but I've heard him talk specifically about Free. This actually, I think, this one and my next one, I think, were, would be ones that you could play on the Shake Your Money Maker tour. And as like a, you know, a cover and an encore, it would fit right in. I've always loved this song. I think it's just a great tune. It is a great tune. You're absolutely right. I was going to say, like earlier era, Chris, like, you know, the Shake Your Money Maker, even into High as the Moon, that could, would have been great. It's funny. All Right Now is the most well-known Free song, but if you actually listen to Free, it's the most uncharacteristic song compared to their others, like as, as to what they're all about. It's not a good representation of, of what they are as a band, but it's a great song. Who is the guitar player in Free? I always get it confused. Paul uh, Kostoff. Yeah, uh, he's he's great. and you, They're one of those bands that, like, yeah, of course, All Right Now is mainly the one that you hear on the radio, but there's one of these bands that you hear all these other guitar players talk about. And like same same thing with Leslie West. I mean, you know, people you hear all these other guitar players. Oh, he had the best tone. Uh, he influenced me. And and some of those bands, you know, their level of influence doesn't equal their level of success. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I, you could really say the same is true of uh, the Black Crows. Well, yeah, the Black Crows. You know. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, because the media is so lazy and rock and journalists are even lazier. They're just always going to have that Stones faces comparison. It's just not fair yeah. for their whole career at all. All right, Ian, you're going to approve of this one. Jason mm. Johannes is going to approve of this one. I know Jim Regan, who uh, listens to our show up there in New York by you, is going to approve of this one. This is one they would kill, and I think they could play it on this tour. By Oasis, Cigarettes and Alcohol. <laughs> It's a good tune, and that's a that's an out of the box one there, David. I'm I'm very uh, very proud of you on that one. They're friends with them, right? Yeah. And I mean, this is possibly my favorite Oasis song. It's top five for sure. It's a great rock and roll song in general, and uh, oddly enough, you know who does a really fantastic cover? This is Rod, Rod Stewart. Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Later day Rod Stewart yeah. too. Like you know, that's a Rod that's a great album. He does. Um, Hotel Chambermaid and uh, Rocks on, on that one. On that, um, it's when we were the new boys. Is that the name of it? Yeah, yeah. I just think they would. I think they would kill this. I really do. Like you said, this has got Rod Stewart's name written all over it, and uh, they've already shown they can cover stuff that sounds like Rod Stewart. <laughs> I think they. I think this would be a really, really fun one. I've never heard Oasis remark on Rod Stewart's cover if they liked it or they didn't like it. But uh, I'm sure whatever they said, it would be funny. Oh, yeah. Be witty. Yeah. In that uh, Manchester sort of way, you know. 
They're my favorite interviews to listen to. They, uh, they're one of those types of interviews, like much like, um, you know, Hunter Thompson springs to mind in a way where you, it's that it could get away from you real quick and you really don't know where it's going to go. And it's touch and go. You know what I mean? That's why I, I like interviews like that. And you don't know if you're being trolled or they're insane. Exactly. <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite quotes from Liam, um, stop me if we've talked about this on the air before on the last tour that Noel Gallagher did, he had a woman just stand there the whole concert with a pair of like schoolhouse scissors in, in front of the microphone and play them. Did we talked about this? <laughs> you might've mentioned it. Yeah, but it's worth mentioning again. <laughs> so anyway, it, apparently she's a really talented musician and like helped on the album or whatever. And everybody liked her. So he just found a reason to have her on there. Well, at some point she got sick or whatever and couldn't do some shows. <laughs> so Liam, you know, always says that, uh, Noel looks like a potato. And so he said, I'll take, I'll take her place and I'll just stand back there and peel potatoes the whole concert. <laughs> and my other, my other favorite quote then was Noel said, I used to like my mom until she had Liam. <laughs> is Noel the older brother? I always, Oh yeah. Liam he's was. like f- four or five years older. And then another one and I'll shut up is, uh, somebody asked him one time something about, uh, does does record sales equal talent? He says no, because Phil Collins has sold a lot of records. Uh, you know, Phil Collins takes a beating, <laughs> and you know it's funny because he rightfully should for some of his solo stuff. But I mean, the man was in early Genesis, okay, and he's a fantastic drummer. So like, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a two way street kind of. You know, say what you want about the Gallagher brothers; those guys are really true to their music. You know what I mean? Yeah, I just Noel's just one of my favorite musicians, and his solo output is just far so far exceeded anything Liam has put out, and it's a lot of it is really really different from Oasis, and it's it still gets me like um that Who Built the Moon album ten or fifteen years ago I probably honestly wouldn't have given that a second spin, but I was like Noel's earned my trust because Oasis's last album you know I've talked about that Dig Out Your Soul. That's one of their better albums. It's definitely the best one post Morning Glory. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's that quickly became, I think, my favorite Oasis record, and I didn't, I didn't listen to it when it came out in '08. I kind of just passed me by, and I, I think at the time I, I was getting a little sick of the uh, "We're breaking up, we're getting back together, we're breaking up, we're getting back together." You know, the whole situation. I love the opening song "Bag It Up," and then to be oh. where, to be where there's life. That's a very unique tune for them. So if you're out there listening and you're kind of like. I gave up on Oasis. I kind of understand that to a point. Uh, Dig Out Your Soul is a great album. Me and I both just really, really like it. It's it's solid. All right. So my last one, I went with something very, very modern, and I think they can pull it off with Chris's voice from the Marcus King band, Goodbye Carolina. <laughs> Me, her 
an amazing song. I think it's the best song Marcus King does. I could see Chris killing the vocals on this and really getting into it. And they have that long outro that there's two versions of the song. There's a version that's clipped where it's really not a long solo. And then on the original version, you have this really long outro and I could see them just really doing something special with it. You know, Marcus has got that deep soulful voice. Chris obviously has got soul for days. Uh, They're obviously friends. And I mean, Hey, return the favor. Marcus covers my morning song all the time. I, I just think they could, I think they could do it. And I think it would be great. That's, Along the lines of when they covered Neil Young's Big Time soon after it was released. I mean, that's pretty contemporary to have them do that, but that's a great pick. Yeah, I think it would sound great. And speaking of Neil Young, like I've gone back and I've really gotten into a lot of the crazy horse stuff. Dave Chamberlain, who listens to the podcast, has been on here. He's a massive Neil Young fan. Matter of fact, on my other podcast, he and I did an entire uh, album review on uh, Zuma. But I've just really gotten into a lot of the live recordings with Crazy Horse. And like this last one, Live from the Rust I think it's Live from the Rust Bucket. Dave was just going on and on about it. And then I saw where one of the guys in Crazy Horse said this was us at our peak. You know, sometimes Neil Young's voice gets grates on my nerves after a while, if I'm being honest. With, especially with some of the like softer acoustic stuff. And I like a lot of Pardon My Heart, great song. You know, Heart of Gold, great oh. song. Out on the Weekend, Harvest, all that. Great songs. But there's something about when he plays with that band, and it's kind of a jam band mentality for the most part. Well, yeah, and he kind of translated that to when he did that record, uh, Mirrorball, with Pearl Jam. I mean, you can hear on some of those tracks, like him saying, like, all right, let's just do it like this. And you can tell it's kind of off the cuff. And and I like that about Neil Young. He He's not afraid to just, just go. I love that know? song, Downtown, off that album, where he like name checks Jimmy Page and, and, and other people. All right, so Ian, I'm going to pick my songs that I think the side projects can do. And this is where I think you're going to say, Dave, you're on to something. For Mark Ford, we're going to cover Joe Walsh's Life's Been Good to Me So Far. I could see it. I could see it. I wouldn't. My mind wouldn't immediately go to that. I'll be honest, but uh, he could probably pull it off. The vocal range and everything is him. Yeah. And, and then uh, that's just a song. I've, I saw Joe Walsh open for Tom Petty a couple years ago, and like outside of like three or four songs, you know, that I knew, and I was like, yeah, that's just a great song to me. I, Absolutely, I, I love it, and it fits Joe Walsh's personality. All right, now Rich Robinson. It would probably be best if he did this. With just him and then somebody on a mandolin. 
but it's one of my favorite REM songs off Green, You Are the Everything. Sometimes I feel like I can't even sing I'm very scared for this world I'm very scared for me This is your memory Here's a scene You're in the backseat Laying down the windows Wrap around to the sound Of the travel and the engine All you hear is time stand still in travel you feel such peace and absolute stillness still that doesn't end but slowly drifts into sleep the stars are the greatest thing you've ever seen and they're there for you for you Yeah, the silence, that's a nice pick too. The, the silence is deafening. Um, no, you know what it is? Is I have to some of these I have to think back on real quick. With I Rich, you have to pick something that's in his vocal range, and there's there's that's kind of an even keel vocal song, you know. And he really loves like the intricate layers of you know acoustic guitars and alternate tunings and everything. And that one has all of that and has the mandolin on it. It's one of my favorite REM songs, uh, to be honest with you. All right. Now this one is really you're really gonna have to stretch stretch your imagination on this, but you gotta you gotta hear me through it, alright? The Chris Robinson Brotherhood, and this is one where Adam McDougall could come in and, and, and really make a difference on it. UFOs love to love. Think about how heavy and kind of kind of wicked that keyboard is in the song. Yeah, I could see that definitely. 
I, I mean, I, Love to Love by UFO is one of the most underrated songs of the 70s. And, yeah, they're, they're an underrated band. I mean, and they've covered, when the CRB, they've covered classic rock. They've covered, um, you know, Steppenwolf, uh, Magic Carpet Ride. Um, they have? Yeah. You know, they've done some of that kind of stuff. And I just think with Adam's keyboard playing on it, they could turn that into to something, to something really, really cool. All right. My last one, I had to pick one for Trigger Hippie, right? Our boy Steve Gorman. Slide the Family Stones, dance to the music. would wear that one out oh that'd be fantastic and i think they they touched on slime the family stone the black crows early in their career but then they never really revisited it too much but yeah and, i um, think they did i think they did i want to take you higher yeah i think you're right all right ian so uh i could tell some of mine perplexed you let's hear let's tell everybody yours i swear they didn't perplex me it's just some of them i had to i have to recall the song in my head real quick <laughs> You picked some good ones, you know. They weren't. I like that you you picked a lot of not obvious ones, but that that worked. Well, it's easy to go to the Stones. It's easy to go to Zeppelin, which we both did. I've seen your list. You yes. know, it's easy to go some old blues number or something like that. Well, let's. I'm going to take a crack at mine. What do you say? I uh, let's go. Are you ready? Yeah. Have we built this up enough. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, off the top of my head, first one. These are in no particular order. But the first one I, I had on my list was uh, Love in Vain, Rolling Stones.
it's a nice slow blues number it would fit into a set pretty much nicely anywhere like you know uh anywhere that you want to do like kind of a bring down moment it would work nicely um and i think chris would nail the vocals on that one that's that's robert johnson original right yes um yeah i mean i think anything from the stones in that era they can handle easily it's a great tune um that's was it on let it bleed let it bleed but i always think of the uh, get your yayas out the live version that one it's just slightly slower i think and Mm -hmm. i don't know something about the atmosphere of the live recording makes it that much more cool it's been covered by a lot of people yeah obviously not an original by them but i would i would want them to do the stones arrangement so that's you know that's how i go with that you know it's interesting you go back and listen to those original robert johnson recordings which i think there's only 29 songs and there's only two known pictures of him anyway it's interesting to go back and listen to those songs because a they're so crudely recorded um, mm. And then B, how other people have been able to pull the arrangements out, like like cro- like Crossroads, you know, the yeah. Cream did, or got, like even like Love in Vain. And didn't he do? Was it um, my not my Robert Johnson knowledge isn't the best. Is it, did he do thirty two twenty blues? I believe so. You know, obviously the Almond Brothers did that one. It's interesting to go back and hear all of that, and then see how people were able to pull that out and make it something kind of rocking. Yeah, I found in a, in a in a used record shop one time on CD. It was a box set. It was all of Robert Johnson's recordings, and I was surprised that somebody had parted with that. But uh, I mean, I, it was a great price. I picked that up, and it is really interesting to listen to those original versions. It's almost like he gave later people like the framework to work with, and then they all came up with these excellent arrangements, uh, often very different from one another. But if you had to pick a Robert Johnson song that's your favorite, what would it be? It would probably be Love in Vain. I really think that that's top for me. I like If I Had Possession Over Judgment Day. And the, that's a great one, and too. And the yeah. version that Eric Clapton does on that me and that me and Mr. Johnson thing with Clapton is just great. Yeah, it's it's hard with later day Clapton stuff to know what stuff is going to be good and what is going to be kind of not good. <laughs> Usually the covers are good. That's true. I mean, that entire album was pretty good. He had a couple, his last two records, I think one's called Old Sock, and one, I forget what the other one's called, but they were they were actually decent records. I liked them. I saw him on the Old Sock tour. Yeah, I, there was a, I can't, I, I think there's a song on there called Gotta Get Over. It is, that was the I, single. I, yeah, I thought that was really good. I, I heard that on uh, the radio, believe it or not. Have you ever seen Clapton? No, I have not. Dude, when he puts a band, a band together, it's top shelf. He knows how to put a band together. I wish I had seen him on that tour when he had uh, Derek Trucks and Doyle Bramhall playing guitars with him. Is oh yeah, that and that album they put out is great. The live album, Doyle Bramhall, one of the most underrated guitarists. Do you think? By by far. I mean, the guy can flawlessly play with Roger Waters and Eric Clapton, two totally different styles. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't get a lot of credit. And then if you listen to a lot of his solo stuff, it's more soul based. Definitely. So my second one on this list, I think, is going to uh, throw people for a loop and might seem like an outlandish choice. But uh, it's a song by Jellyfish called I Want to Stay Home.
take you out somewhere I take the train in town Like I did for years There is only seven more blocks I could walk from here I wanna stay This is from the first Jellyfish record called uh, Belly Button. And I, I really like this song. This, to me, would fit into like the the 93 kind of era of the Crows, like when they were doing the original Tall stuff, and it, it kind of has a similar vibe to that. But I, I really think uh, they could do something interesting with it. And it's not your run-of-the-mill thing you would instantly think of them doing. No, it's not. And they were obviously, at least Chris and Mark, were friends with those guys. Yeah. So I could, I could, I could see that happening. It's kind of like uh, a lot of several wide, popular widespread panic songs are actually written by a band from Athens called Bloodkin that they're really, really good friends with. And I could see them doing that with Jellyfish. Obviously, the Crows were much bigger than Jellyfish, but you know, I could see them doing that at the time just to help them out, if nothing else. But yeah, I went back and listened to it. I'm, I mean, I've listened to the Jellyfish stuff, but like. I couldn't name a song or anything like that, but I went back and listened to it. And by the time I got to like the second verse, I'm like, okay, I, I can see how they could do this. Yeah, definitely. Like a bit of, you know, a little stretch at first, but uh, I think it could work. Uh, my next pick was a, a Zeppelin tune and it's one I wish they had done on that tour. Robert Plant and Jimmy Page had done it. I know they did it on the no quarter thing. I don't know if they did it on the walk in Clarksdale tour from the houses of the Holy album, uh, the rain song. <laughs>
I mean, come on. I mean, I think Chris would just hit this one out of the park and vocally. I mean, it's unbelievable that they, it didn't occur to them to do this, or maybe it just didn't make the cut, you know? When that song kicks in at the end after that long build, as our friend Steve Gleason would say, chef's kiss. <laughs> I mean, it seems like something that is in Rich's wheelhouse, like, uh, you know, guitar-wise as well. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. it's very, like, open-tuning, resonating, like he likes to do on the acoustics, you know? Man, for as much as Led Zeppelin's known as a rock band, their mid-tempo mellow stuff is is on up there with anybody. Tangerine, Down by the Seaside, The Rain Song, That's the Way, you know. Black um, Country Woman. But yeah, nice. Going to California, All of My Love, all that stuff is so good. Like, you get outside of, like, if I'm going to listen to Zeppelin now, it's pretty much physical graffiti. But mm. if I get outside of that, it's pretty much the mellow stuff I listen to. Don't be mentioning anything off of the uh, In Through the Outdoor album, because that can get you killed in some circles. Some it people can. are very against that album. <laughs> it's It's got its issues, and I wasn't a big fan of Presence either, so while we're on that subject. I like In Through the Outdoor, I always have. I don't care what anybody says, but uh, that's me. <laughs> My next, The next one I picked is a, is a, a band that the crows have obviously covered before and they're very big fans of they've stated that many times but it's two trains by little feet like a it's almost like a, a a funky kind of delivery you know a little more spoken than, than sung in some spots but i really think chris could take care of that uh great and it's got some great piano on it that had ed harsh would have been all over you know would have been great for that 96 97 era crows i'll tell you i'm for covering anything little feet yeah i'm never gonna i'm never gonna say that's a bad idea a band that i would not be a fan of if it were not for the black crows no and i mean they've always professed their love for them i mean i think chris even played on the it was like an album little feet did where it was reworkings of their actual songs but had the guest singers almost like a santana kind of thing right and i think chris did oh atlanta if i'm not mistaken you're correct which was great too if anybody wants to seek that out didn't know about it it's a nice cover yeah all right so my final pick i know is going to uh confound most people it's not exactly the most well-known track although i think it's great i actually interviewed this gentleman many moons ago for hitting the note magazine very nice guy and i became obsessed with his first album for a long time this is actually it's an old standard much like love and vain is it's not his original but it's a song called bonton roulette that's by papa molly yeah!
this song, very Cajun influenced. I think this would have been awesome with Luther playing the the lead guitar on it. If you listen to Papa Molly's version and the lead guitar in there, it's it's almost like it was written for Luther to play, and uh, it's a really cool vibe, very up tempo, happy song. I just think it would have worked out nice for them. And Ed Harsh playing some boogie woogie piano over it. Oh God, yeah. So I'm gonna admit I never heard of this guy. And he's from New Orleans. Is that right? Yeah, I never heard of him. And when I went and pulled up that song and listened to it instantly, I said, I guarantee you this is an album that's in Chris Robinson's collection. Yeah, the album's called Thunder Chicken. That was his first album. He's had quite a few albums uh, since then, Do Your Thing, and he does uh, a lot of stuff. He did, um, I forget the name of the group, but uh, it had a couple of guys from the dead in it. And, you know, he's he's done a lot of stuff. He's kind of another one of those, like, under-the-radar guys that's done a lot of stuff, but not a lot of people know about him, which is a shame. Since you gave me that, I, I went ahead and I got a couple of his albums queued up on Spotify. Yeah, that first one, Thunder Chicken, is amazing. Do you know what Laissez la Bonte means? I don't. I'd have to go back. I think it means let the... I'm not going to say it because if I'm wrong, people will kill me. But anyway, it's said around here a lot. But when you're in New Orleans. Don't take it away. They will take away your Southern card. Okay? I know. Well, that's, that's, that's New Orleans, man. It's not the South. Well, it's that's, its, own, it's, that's its own world, man. That's true. Much like uh, Manhattan, it's its own entity. Yeah, so it's, um, it's its own thing. Yeah, that same album. There's a ver- there's a version, a cover version he does of "Walk on Gilded Splinters." I saw that. Unbelievable on his album. Probably the best version I've ever heard. But all right, so let me uh, run through my solo covers. Um, these are ones that immediately came to mind. I only have three of them. Mm-hmm. First one, I have said this before. I don't know if I said it on on our show at any point, but I would love to see Mark Ford cover the birds. Lover of the Bike. No, the Crows did this on the 13 tour, but this song is made from Mark Forward's voice. I mean, if you listen to the version on the Birds Untitled album, it's actually live. It's unbelievable. Like it, Mark would knock this out of the park. I, I, I'm surprised he's never come around to it, because uh, guitar-wise and vocally, I completely agree with you. It's in his wheelhouse. He would have he would he would have some fun on the guitar, and I love the Mud Crutch version of it. Yeah. That was, I think, on their first album with a Scare Easy on it. But yeah, that, that is, that's a great pick. That's probably your most spot-on pick. Thanks, pal. You're welcome. Right. 
I, I should have I should have mentioned it to Mark when we when we did the interview with him. That was a missed opportunity. That could have been on the next tour. We'll talk to him again. That's true. But uh, so then and then the next two solo covers I picked out both were for Rich Robinson. First one would be Stephen Stills singing Cole. track is off of steven's uh, second album steven sills too and I, it's just such a great tune it's an acoustic tune open tunings you know which rich is prone to and the, the lyrically and vocally it sounds like something that's really in rich's wheelhouse yeah I, you know i know you're a huge fan of like steven stills and manassas and crosby stills and nash and i honestly need to give that all of that more of a of a chance there's something about crosby stills and nash like years ago that just I guess it was in the 90s or whatever when I tried to listen to them. For whatever reason, it didn't connect, and I haven't gone back. But my tastes have obviously changed since then. But I was listening to this, and I'm like, yeah, it would it would be it'd be a great Rich song. Definitely one of those you know lesser known tracks by uh, Stephen Stills, but such a great one. And uh, I'll have to put you together a little uh, playlist, get you reinduced there. Because honestly, Crosby, Stills, and Nash are some of the best harmony vocalists I've ever heard in my life. Yeah, why don't you put me a Spotify playlist together? 20 songs. 20? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I'll do it, man. Go large, man. Go large. <laughs> and then the next um, Rich Robinson cover song I, I picked. Uh, it's kind of a well-known song to some, but uh, you know, it's been a, it was in a Wes Anderson film, and uh, which kind of brought it a little more prominence. And it's on one of their more popular records. But I figured Dave Davies sang it. He was the the brother in the Kinks. So you know, uh, this is a, a Kinks tune called Stranger. <laughs> Man, I need to listen to the Kinks more because every time I do, I like their stuff. I know you're a huge fan, Jim Regan. I've already mentioned him before. I know he's a massive Kinks fan. I need to listen to it more. All I really know is kind of the hits. But then, like, you drop these gems in, and I mean, it, that that's a really good Strangers, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good song. I listened to it, I think, twice. 
we were getting ready to do this because we did this one kind of spur of the moment. And so about 30 minutes before we came on the air, Ian sent me his list. So I went and listened to these that I wasn't that familiar with. Yeah, man, it sounds good. And I, I think Rich would, it suits Rich's voice. Dave Davies has one of those voices, much like Neil Young and you know a few other people that it, it can be shaky at times and you feel like it's gonna it's all gonna fall apart, but it doesn't. And I always like that about Dave Davies. But and I think lyrically this song kind of speaks to the Robinson brothers in a way, you know, the, their trials and tribulations kind of too. So I think it's appropriate in that aspect as well. Get the Kinks, the Crows, and Oasis all three back together and go on tour. What like another? Another version of the brotherly love. Yeah, just add it. Just add another layer of brothers there. Can we get Can we get Space Hog back together to open it again? And you can be the only one there when they play. That'd be great. I don't, you know, not for nothing. <laughs> they reissued Space Hog's first album on Record Store Day, uh-huh. and I couldn't get a hold of it. And that thing doesn't go for less than a hundred dollars in any venue that I've tried to purchase it afterwards. And so I, I can't go that high on it. But there is some popularity there for them. Uh, yeah, you're right. There is. I'm just messing with you. Don't give up that easy. <laughs> <laughs> hey, let me ask you this. What's one song you wish they had never covered? Oh, you got to spring that one on me. Let's see. And, um, and, why, and why is it Boomer's story? <laughs> well, I guess I don't have to ask you what yours is then. I don't care what you say, David. I, you're not going to you're not gonna dissuade me from my love of Boomer's story because I like Rycooter. So, you know, I know, that's a good one. I can't really off the top of my head think of something I, they covered that I didn't. At least enjoy in the moment. Most of their covers prompt me to go, you know, look up an artist I don't know, and and I've gotten into some people that way. One that they that I loved it when they started playing, but they just wore it out on 2013 was them doing Hush. Oh man! As you were saying, I was just trying to quickly think in my head, and I thought I just thought of that as you were saying it. Yeah, like they kind of played the hell out of that thing. That and Jumping Jack Flash, man, it's like every show, one or the other. Yeah, I like the fact that they did. The Leon Russell version of Jumpin' Jack Flash, though. You know, the, the Mad Dogs and Englishmen. Right. You know, kind of gave it a, an interesting twist, because you'd think they would go for the Stones, you know? Yeah, but I mean, but like, Hush, they didn't really do the Deep Purple version. No, they right. did the... Um, um, Is it Billy Royal or something like that? Yes, uh-huh. I think so. Yeah. Somebody will correct us. They will. They always do. In the nicest way possible. Yeah, yeah. There's there's people giving me a hard time about my stance on David Lee Roth. I will not back down. Where was that? Where were they giving you a hard time? I would have jumped in. <laughs> on Twitter. Good. That's what you deserve. <laughs> uh, to quote Tom Petty, I won't back down. I know. That's fine. I won't back down about uh, you know, um, one more story. Yeah. And uh, you cannot uh, back down. David, that's fine. You know, that's what makes these relationships interesting. If everybody, if me and you thought the same on everything, what would we talk about? You know what I mean? Yeah, it would be, it would be different. That's for sure. But uh, I don't know, man. So I think we came up with uh, 10 great Crows covers. I think our solo ones are pretty good, too. And hopefully maybe it'll uh, prompt some people to go uh, listen to these ones they don't know. You know? Oh, I'm sure it's going to spark some debate. It will. Always uh, always in good fun. Yeah. Uh, everybody's, everybody's always pretty kind to us, even though uh, maybe they don't necessarily want to be. But <laughs> Nah, everybody out there is great. We've had one person be a jerk, and that's it. So I'll take that in a heartbeat. In two years, that's uh, that's excellent, you know? Yeah, and if you can, go on Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and write us a review. That really helps us. Like, if you look at a lot of other popular podcasts, like, we're, we're beating a lot of them in number of ratings and reviews. So the more we can get, that's good because we can show it to – because we do get asked from time to time, 
what are your numbers and stuff like that. So we can show that to publicists and um, that'll help us get some good guests. All right. So to, uh, for the play out this week, I, I think we should each pick one of our songs from our respective lists. How's that sound? From Familiar to Millions, the live version of Cigarettes and Alcohol. Excellent. And I think I'm going to go with uh, the uh, the Birds' Lover of the Bayou. And that's also a live version. So uh, thanks for listening, everybody. Uh, we hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you next time. Stay tall, everyone.
rock and roll, mister. That's rock and roll, mister. I didn't blink once. I'm the lover of the bayou. Yeah. 